0: EMSradio.com.
1: EMS information for the next generation.
0: The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us, EMSgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. This episode of the EMS Garage is brought to you by Audible.com. Over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. Get a free audiobook download for your MP3 or iPod. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage. The EMS Garage.
2: Checking out right now. Okay, I got D G on the phone. There. I want to know if uh, you can handle that call as well. Just confirming you are checking the
3: patient.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the EMS Garage. I'm Chris Montero, your host. And as always, I'm joined by an esteemed panel. We're we're streaming live on UStream tonight, and we're very happy to have a few people that you've never heard before on the podcast, and that'll be a lot of fun. We have a great, <laughs> we have a great, we have a great uh, uh, chat room going right now. I can't even think because they're making such great jokes. And you can follow us on Twitter facebook and anywhere else you want to but also join us emsgarage.com so joining us first mr james Warmouth. it's been a few weeks since you've been on a show how you been man
4: i've been doing good um, mostly keeping the baby entertained
0: yeah how old is he now
4: he's uh seven months and he's learned how to scream very well
0: nice that's generally what they do scream and and you know what it doesn't really ever end it just continues to get louder and louder and more annoying so anyway thanks for coming on it (laughs) does thanks for coming on also joining us mr scott keir i last saw you at ems today how are you sir
1: oh i'm doing well chris how are you
0: good what have you been up to
1: good oh not much man just uh enjoying myself up in massachusetts uh i've got a Nice bottle of wine sit next to me here nice. And uh, it's time to do the garage
0: That's really the only way you should do the EMS Garage is with a bottle of wine or a beer You could go either way Absolutely, Hard yeah. alcohol not so much because it makes you Stammer and stutter Yeah, Good idea thank you sir mm-hmm. Also joining us Mr. Kyle David Bates Hello sir are you trying to get Hey some, Chris how are you Trying to get the Tostitos out of your teeth
5: They're trying to like, it's, like, it's like I'm out there a little bit Yeah I hate that Alright
0: well, how have you been, man?
5: I have been busy. How about you? I know.
0: How was Alaska? Tell us about that. What did you oh, do? There? You, you did like a whole Ustream. What happened?
5: Alaska was wonderful. We went up to the uh, Interior Region EMS Council for the 17th Annual uh, Symposium. Uh, not only do we take the first few moments of the course, we, we taught our very first course coordinator program. Up there, we, we trained six people. They already have demand for three more courses to be given throughout the state of Alaska. They're loving it. Uh, we went ahead and did just the general sessions, but we also I also had my own portable podcasting studio that we took up there, and we talked to people. We did about five podcasts. We did one PDU podcast, which was amazing with Doctor BJ Coops. It's up online at PDU. Uh, P-E-D-I-D-S-U dot com right now, uh, where she talks about how a bicycle helmet saved a girl's life from a bear attack. And we got into area management with that. We talked to people about rural health care in Alaska. We talked to them about, uh, Chris, something close to you. And we actually talked about you a little bit. Mm -hmm. was the health aid program. Yeah. Up there, and uh, how that's basically the basis of what community paramedic came out to be and how they work in the villages. We talked to a lady from Eagle, Alaska, about the 2009 uh, flood where they had basically a solid tsunami come across where all these hunks of ice the size of diesel trucks wiped out a village. Wow! And we also talked about how she, the same lady, was the only EMT on scene of a bus ro- a tour bus rollover with about 40 patients for about five hours by herself. Holy cow! So over the next few... Oh, it was, fan- it was phenomenal. So over the next few weeks, I'll be uh, going ahead and releasing those, but just really some good material. Wow.
0: That, <laughs> that's impressive. If you, be, uh, it, being on scene for five hours by yourself, that, uh, that, I don't think there's anything more impressive. That's pretty cool. Well, and you know, I knew that uh, the basis of the community paramedic program was based on a loose interpretation of the community health worker from Alaska. And we have the the curriculum rewrite of 3.0 is coming out soon. And I knew that that was kind of the, the, basis of that program so it's kind of good to see that that's still going on so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that
5: yeah i mean you've got a village of 40 people and you have someone trained to just manage a lot of the And they're not paramedics right you know they're not really up there for medical uh emergency medicine they're more up there for continued care so they do a lot of fixed wing flights two-hour flights by fixed wing
0: yeah we actually had a gentleman here at the we had a children's conference uh the regional children's hospital here in colorado gave a conference Uh, back in january i believe and the one of the flight medics from alaska he's one of six flight medics that works on this service and he was talking about how they you know will fly out and the weather can be sketchy and it was very interesting to hear about the medicine in alaska and boy it really takes a different type of person to work up there and my hat's off to them because i can't do that that's you know 85 minutes i'm okay three or four hours. That's fine. You know, I mean, you really become a different type of clinician at that, at that type of, at that type of depth. So thank you, sir. And I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Also joining us tonight, Mr. Tim Noonan. How are you,
3: sir? Pretty good. Uh, not doing anything anywhere near as exciting as Kyle has been. I was at EMS today. I met you, I met Kyle. I met a bunch of other people, but apparently I missed about half of the people who were there. Half of the people I would have wanted to meet it. That is.
0: No, they didn't. You didn't miss them. They missed you. That could be. Uh, because you know you have a, you know you have my a nickname. big round yellow head. Right. I was going to say you have a nickname. Uh, only one. <laughs> one that I know of. Only one. The Sas- the Sasquatch of EMS. Tim Noonan. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on tonight, man. I appreciate it. Thanks also, di- also joining us tonight, Mister, Mister, Mister Russell Stein. How are you, sir? I don't. I, I use Mister in the most loosest term I can.
2: Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you are a gentleman, though.
0: And uh, I, I, you know, I've been reviewing some of the pictures from EMS today, and I saw you. You're like in every one of them, just like smiling, just so happy. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. In all, ninety eight percent of mine. I was, I was happy mine. to be there, dude. I'm sorry, I was stalking you. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know where I was. I was just happy to be there. Oh, you, you did a great job. So. He
1: just doesn't remember thirty percent of that, ninety percent <laughs> of those pictures. That's
2: all. <laughs> well, that may be true. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in pictures. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll talk about that later. So thanks for coming on, uh, and <laughs> finally joining us the very first time he's come on. And uh, my hope is that he comes back because he's going to be like, dude, why am I even on this show? But uh, you may not. No, I'm going to have to go grab it out of my backpack because I'm still reading the article because I'm a slow reader. But his name is Mike Silva. But you may know him as Dr. Anonymous. And uh, I really, really like this guy. He He's like my twin brother lost at birth. How are you, sir?
6: I, uh, yeah, completely lost. Uh, but thank you for the invite. Uh, I'm still kind of recovering from EMS today. Still? And, uh, just started a little chat out there. And and that marathon, uh, you know, telethon final show that day. Uh, people are still talking about it. It's so epic.
0: That was 90 minutes, man. We talked for... Well, okay. We didn't really talk for 90 minutes. We laughed for 90 minutes. We we talked for about four minutes of the entire podcast. So that was a lot of fun. Dude, it, was, it wasn't because that episode was so long. It was because the night before was really long. Yeah. And if you... <laughs> and, and if you've never seen Jamie Davis sing karaoke, yeah, you've got to come to like one of the, we're going to be at EMS Expo in Vegas. So I'm pretty sure he'll be singing karaoke there. We'll try. I'm pretty sure we'll try. <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. Come, we'll are you, the invite for being here. You got to come to Vegas with us though. Uh, Vegas? Vegas, yeah. baby. Vegas? It's in August, but wow. no, whatever. I eh, know. August, a little hot, but it'll be, it'll still be fine. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. All right, cool. Well, thank you for... Oh, wait. So, you know, I always give everybody a chance when they first come on the show, and this is like the inaugural episode because the, the one at EMS today doesn't count. So tell me who you are, what you do, where you're from, and why you're so Awesome. Or anonymous, one of the two.
6: <laughs> uh, well, since EMS today, I, I made this huge decision to to rebrand myself, and I'm no longer Dr. Anonymous, but people still call me that, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, so, so my name is Mike Savella. I, I'm a family physician here in Ohio, and uh, my new website is called uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com, and which which really uh, talks about you know I'm a family physician. I'm proud of it, and uh, um, I, I just want to share with my audience like kind of what I do, and and uh, I just I was just had my my show uh, just a couple hours ago here, and uh, had a great show tonight. And, uh, um, and uh, thank you for letting me to, to to plug a little bit here. And uh, you're on UStream with with me. Um, yeah, thanks I a lot,
0: man. I, Can I lick your face? No, I don't. I wow. I think there's a. It does look little messy, but, but I don't want to. Know oh, wait, there's a, a bigger picture of you. Whoa, wow. I didn't. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Wow. Okay. All so, right. So we're gonna yeah. go, we're gonna move on from there anyway. <laughs> if you're not watching Ustream, you're missing the other side of the show, really so um well, I guess that brings me up to I guess that brings me up to a good question about you how Why would you rebrand after everybody calls you doctor Anonymous? I mean, isn't that hard at this point for you to kind of just become you versus this unknown person kind of floating in the background?
6: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um I I've been I've been asked to do a lot of speaking um about um physicians and social media and why I think it's important for physicians to know about social media. And we talked about it during during the EMS Today show. Um and um for me to do more speaking and things, the people told me, "Hey, you know, this whole Dr. Anonymous thing is cute, you know. But if you want to, you know, really try to make an impact and 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 speak to a lot of people, you gotta you gotta be as yourself." And that was kind of part of the idea behind it. And uh, the, the 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 magazine that you held up there—I mean, the the uh, Medical Economics from december um, this really opened a lot of doors for me um, to you know be guests on podcasts or, or articles or um, at uh, meetings to talk about it so that's that was the other reason why i'd kind of rebranded it as myself and uh, i've gotten a lot of opportunities from it so so that was part of it and but it's funny because a, a lot of my longtime readers and listeners they are still going to call me dr a and i think it's kind of funny it's kind of cute um and it, it, it's nice for them to do that for me
0: have any of your patients ever walked in and went dr a how are you
6: uh, actually, yeah. When the uh, when the article came out in December, um, I had a lot of my patients come in and uh, make fun of me, and uh, so that's so that's fun. That's fun because it, it it was covered on local news here, and that was nice of them to do that. And uh, uh, so uh, so yeah, I still have patients that, that do that, and they'll always do that just to kind of uh, make fun of me a little bit. So so it's fun. Uh, we have we have great people, great patients here.
0: Right on. Very cool. Well, I'm glad to have you on. And uh, even though you're a physician, that's not really emergency services related, you're kind of one of the family because you're in the ProMed network and Jamie Davis loves you and well, you're my twin. So it's all good. And I really appreciate having <laughs> Thanks. you on. Hey, no problem. So our first story tonight is one that is about, it's about two weeks old, but I really think that it's important to tell the story because what it tells me is that we're kind of in a time and era when government jobs aren't necessarily the most safe and if you've been seeing what's going on in wisconsin or indiana or ohio over the past few weeks as far as unions and and how there hasn't been a lot of collective bargaining and and how people are are starting to vote out that i think this is a an interesting article 82 DeKalb county fire recruits give get two-week notices basically these gentlemen from all walks of life have come in gentlemen and gentle ladies have come into this fire academy, 82 of them and went through a a six to 12 week course to become firefighters. And at the end of the course, they've basically been told that you're no longer going to have jobs. You're going to be hitting the streets again for a new job. That's because in DeKalb County, they decided that they're going to get rid of the EMS side of the house and they're going to private contract for the EMS side and they're gonna just do fire-related responses now, and they're gonna still do some of the EMS-related responses, but they're not gonna transport. Kind of scary. I what is, what are some of your reactions on that, guys? How do you how do you feel about that, or uh, do you think that we're kind of in that new time and era when these jobs, public service jobs, aren't as aren't seen as I don't know as a necessity. Or what? But you know what? What's the what's the story here? Okay, nobody wants to talk.
4: You know, I would think we're trying. Well, I, I think I, we're starting uh... to see...
0: Oh God, James, and then Scott, and then Kyle. All
4: right. Uh, I don't. I I don't know what these. I I don't know a whole lot about what these people were 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 told when they hired on. If this was. If this. If they were all like. If the majority of them were guaranteed spots or if this was going to be an elimination type thing going on where they were eliminating down to a certain number of spots, you know, I don't know how they had set this up. But I think it's pretty awful that, you know, you hire someone and you put them through all of this training. And then in the end, they're not even certified. And you're just like, yeah, you just wasted a lot of time and we're just throwing you on the street. I think that's pretty awful.
0: No, it was, they were actually hired on. They were 82 fire recruits and the city told the fire department, do you have to cut $7 million out of your budget next year? And the chief went, the only way I can do that is to cut basically those 82 positions. And, uh, that's kind of, I agree with you. I mean, but I guess maybe that's the risk we all take anymore with any job is that we don't know how, how safe it is. Scott, what did you think?
1: I really think, yeah, I, I really, I, I wonder if this is going to be a, a, a trend that we're going to start seeing in, in spots that are starting to have enough, the final financial issues that DeKalb County is is currently experiencing. Because, I mean, think about it you, you privatize and you have somebody else who's really taking a lot of the liability, taking the insurance, taking the hiring, the wages, et cetera, and basically doing the. Uh, Providing the service at no cost to the taxpayers themselves. if It's you know in a zero situation where all the money basically is going to come out of insurance and billing, and it's going to be paid for by those who are using the service versus those you know the taxpayers.
5: But well, I think I mean you're right, Scott. And that's something that we're looking at. <laughs> um... Fires public safety, police, public safety but EMS is that one side that kind of supports the commercial side but, yeah, And you' right Scott, and, and they don 't receive any support but through insurance not only do they not receive <laughs> uh, you know support through insurance, but they also have to answer to their shareholders they have to answer to the owners to make a profit, so any way that these services, these commercial services can cut a dollar, they will. So you're going to start to see maybe less medications, less equipment on board, uh, less newer equipment on board some of these units. I also think a lot of times the municipal services have residency requirements. So by having people live in the community that they work, you're living amongst your neighbors. You're caring for those that you know. You never know that that person that you've taken care of may be related to one of your own it may be related to a police officer or a firefighter. I can't tell you how many times I treated somebody only to find out that they're related to one of my officers on that. So I, I take a little bit more pride in that aspect uh, along those lines. I think that in a, a municipal service you're vetted a little bit more. Uh when you're hired in that position, there's a little bit more background checks for that. I saw commercial service when they came in the back us up on one call. The first thing the paramedic did is, and I'm not kidding, he went right for the wallet of the patient on the table and started pulling out insurance cards on that. Because that's where the concern is, it's not patient care. And yeah, I worked Volunteer. I've worked commercial. I've worked municipal services on those, and I, I've seen those issues. And that when you live amongst those you care for, you're gonna add a little bit more. Uh, you have a little bit more respect for those. I also think at the same time that by uh, living amongst those that that you care about, uh, it's going to bring a little bit higher level of care. I think that you're going to hire people that want to be in this for a career. I think a lot of times the commercial services, it's a stepping stone for something else. It's a stepping stone to go into something such as uh, nursing or PA school. So you see a very high rate of turnover in a commercial service where you get into municipal services. People are there to retire. So you have 20, 25, 30 year paramedics on board where a lot of commercial services, you're lucky if you get five-year paramedics.
1: Yeah, so, hold on. Go I, ahead, Scott. I have Scott. to take exception to some of that. I, I'm sorry. I really have to take exception to some of that. Um, I, I I think what you're dealing with there, with some of it, Pat, uh, Kyle, is is a provider-by-provider provider thing. Um, I can tell you from somebody who has who's worked in the private sector for the last 11 years that – i, I don 't go for the wallet first, and, and the majority of my people who work for me do not go for the wallet first um, the The drive is towards patient care and that 's always where the focus should be steered um, you know the, the insurance stuff can be handled later there's people that handle that. Um, that that's a matter of how you train people also you also have to look at how systems are are structured um, i mean if if you have a, you know a, a situation where you can get a private service into you know, a, a county-based system where the EMS is done by that that private service for whatever reason, you're going to f- still find those 20-year paramedics and those 25-year paramedics. I've seen it. I, I've seen it in other systems where that the 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 chain of the career is within the private sector. It's not within the public sector. There's there's not the positions for it within the public sector. So you do have those 20-year paramedics that love the job and and do the job. And and it's it's all about how you structure a service. So I mean. To, to say that you know that the, the private service is only in it for the money while you might be exactly true when you talk about you know, that, that might be dead on when you talk about stakeholders when you talk about ownership, but that's that's not true at the provider level and I, I don't really think that that's fair to to classify a private provider who's commonly paid less money than a municipal provider as just this money hungry person who's walking into the house worried about insurance.
5: But, I mean, I think you put the part on there is that they don't get paid as much. So again, it adds to the turnover rate. It adds to the aspect that they're not going to be there for a long period of time. And you see that you see a lot of new medics tossed right into the, right onto the box. You know, they come out of paramedic school, they do a few weeks with it, and then they're brand new going out there to... Attempt to take care of the folks. I've worked private. I worked private all up until the time that I have gone to a municipal job, and I've seen it. I know those people that are are very strong and very um, energetic in that, but I, I I see that they're 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 the minority on that. Uh, for that. But it really, it comes down to it. I think Justin Shore said it many, many episodes on a happy hour is that why should profit drive my care? And, and that's exactly true. And, and, you know, we go back and talk to uh, Nan, uh, Natalie Quibodeau, and she talked about on uh, one of our first few moments podcasts how their safety was looked at very as, as a minor aspect. That instead of a Christmas bonus, they were all given their safety vests. That was their Christmas bonus, was their safety vests. So that's the thing that you have to look at. Okay,
0: well, we do have This is interesting because I'm glad you ta- you brought up the idea of profit and profitability in medicine. Dr. A, yeah, sorry. I want to put you on the spot. Do you think in your private practice that you could see, you couldn't see any patients if they didn't pay or if they could come in and just say, "Oh, I think today I want to pay you 20 bucks or I want to give you a chicken." I mean, is that is that really the most appropriate thing we can do for patients
6: um wow that's a tough question uh we we go through this every day and uh you know it's 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 not about, you know, me making millions, you know, I mean, it's that, that's what I have a lot of angry patients tell me about that every day. But it, it's about, you know, paying our staff. It's about, you know, paying the phone bill. It's about, um, you know, k- keeping the doors open. And, you know, as, you know, and, and, and we're watching what's happening at our state house and, and in Washington, as far as the funding for you know medical care in this country, and it's getting a lot tougher. Um, and there's a lot, and from a physician's standpoint, and especially from a primary care standpoint, there's a lot of primary care docs that are no longer going to the hospital. They're staying in their office. There's a lot of doctors who you know no longer take Medicaid or Medi-Cal or whatever state you're in, and patients are angry about that. But we we try to explain to them that you know it it we cannot get over the costs to take care of patients with, with this payment structure. And, uh, it's going to get more and more difficult and there's gonna be a lot more and more angry people out there. Um, but, and, and from the other side too, from, from, you know, that's why there's not a lot of primary care docs out there. Uh, that's why all the medical students out there are going into specialties, not into primary care because they have all these debts they have from medical school that they can't, Pay back um, and that 's getting more and more difficult to, to get across to people, especially those those stupid legislators uh, that are st- sitting in the state house and you know, in Washington trying to explain that to them.
0: well, okay, so there are economics in healthcare i mean i don 't think we can ever get away from that, and i don 't and I think what Kyle was saying, and i 'm not going to put words in your mouth, Kyle, but correct me if i 'm wrong that sometimes people do a wallet biopsy because they feel that that's the only way they can fund the next call the next whatever and right or wrong that's what our system's been built on and I'm not taking sides here but I kind of I have to agree with some of the sides that Kyle was you guys are all making good points here tonight and I I just have to say that there isn't a right or wrong when it comes to how we provide our service and we have got to come up with how do we do that for the most effective way for the dollars and cents that we get, whether it's taxpayer dollars, whether it's medical uh, insurance dollars. Go ahead, Tim.
3: Oops. Uh, Kyle, do you insist that your children only go to uh, public schools? Would you refuse to send them to a private school? Would you uh, refuse if there is a public okay. option to send um, anyone to a private provider? Or are you saying that you've just got a lot of experience with pretty poorly run private companies and that you're let ignoring me, let me go the and,
5: and, and horribly run public companies? Actually, let me go back and, and talk about something that, that that Chris said. And, yes, you were putting words in my mouth, Chris. I don't think most providers care about getting the money. All right. The providers really don't care about how much money they make on a call. They're not looking at 4 by 4s They're not looking at those sort of things. But why they do that is because administration and management, the only thing they come back on them is, is, why didn't you get this signature done? Why didn't you gather this information? Why was this not put in your report? That is why. And because I've done those. I've been on multiple levels of multiple departments and, and services throughout this Northeast. And they all have very similar aspects on that. And that he's not doing it going, ooh, wow, we, you know, we can get paid off this call. He's looking at it as, if I get this information, I don't get QA'd. I don't get in trouble. I'm a good employee. That's exactly. what comes down. It, it's, not, it's not the individual saying, ooh, let's make more money for our company. It's not the paramedics. It's not the EMTs. It's management. But the, what EMTs and paramedics are doing is they're protecting themselves from the QA monster. Okay, so, so so, that yeah, so if, oh, we, got of, yeah, if we got rid of if we
0: got rid of the idea that it's all QA and go to something like Doctor A was saying where it's our livelihood, that's how we make money, and if that was the only, if that was what we relied on, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't necessarily believe this, but I have to I have to spur the conversation a little bit. So if we we should make the providers understand that this is their bread and butter, and I've often joked during my time on the streets this was many years ago but during my time on the streets that if we just had a way to swipe a patient's credit card in the back of the ambulance it'd be so much easier and believe it or not in the early 60s late or late 60s early 70s there were like little taxi meters in every ambulance so you would know what your fare was and you know maybe we should be better under we should have an understanding of the business side of of EMS and that's important. And I think it's,
2: it's as It's funny important- you mentioned
0: Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Oh, it's funny that you mentioned the uh the taxi meter because uh I was talking with some uh older uh medics in in here in Memphis and they actually used to have receipt booklets for uh for transports they would collect they would collect on the spot for, for transport and then hand the, the person a receipt. They actually had like a little change purse and, and all that. And I was like, wow, that was many years ago. And, and, and I thought, I thought about that situation. I was glad we we're talking about this Is I was in our EMS our regional EMS council meeting this morning. And uh, we were talking about uh, the white paper issues and, uh, you know, paid for transport and paid for not transport and stuff like that. And that kind of stuck out in my mind. Like, because they were talking about, well, if we don't transport, then we roll into those issues. If we were underneath uh, Health and Human Services, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, copay issues, like are we going to collect copays or are we going to bill for copays? And, and they were kind of rolling into that idea of, of if we're under DHS, how much more or how easier is it going to be for us to? To collect or not collect for these sorts of things, and and it was it just kind of rolled into that kind of conversation.
0: A good point because if we're under DHS, we won't be able to collect a dime. Uh, you know, Epi Junkie just wrote something in the room. She said, "Why can't I just do my job?" Jesus. And here's my response to that this is your job it's part of your job you're unfortunately part of your job we could because we can't carry an administrative assistant like the hospitals do the hospitals have a billing clerk that comes in and goes ma'am can i get your insurance information well unfortunately we don't we don't have the opportunity to have that on every ambulance so gosh you know i live near vale we don't even have that so the opportunity for us is, unfortunately, we have to ask for it. It's the nasty part of our job, but you know what? It's almost sometimes what keeps the lights on, turns it the wheels, from and the hospital. Well, sometimes we can get that from them, and
3: actually, they're yeah, the registration to the hospital. You let the registration person know which room the patient's going into, and when the registration people have the information they need, they print out a face sheet for you. I never asked them for in,
5: the information. That's fine and dandy in, in small, smaller hospitals, but you get into these large university hospitals, large inner city hospitals. Uh, they may not be registered in terms of insurance information for thirty, forty, fifty minutes. For that, yes, right. Yeah. You also you need know, to
3: be able to get arrangements with them so they can fax you the face sheet when uh, they have a number, fax number on record that is acceptable to fax information over to the private providers need to anticipate these ways of making it easy for them to get reimbursed the things with the private providers are that you've got badly managed private companies rather than that this is something that is essential to private companies you know where i am in maryland uh, the big thing is you get hired as medic, and then you have to put in your seven years as a medic until you can demote to a real firefighter job. How much does somebody like that really want to be taking care of patients?
5: Well, and I agree with you. I've seen that in some areas. That's why Baltimore City a few years ago got rid of that, and they were hiring just people who want to be paramedics. And you're seeing that. A lot of fire departments are starting to say, maybe we shouldn't be hiring people to be medics first and then move them on to the paramedics. And trust me, I taught an entire paramedic class that were firefighters forced to become paramedics. So I understand that that aspect of it. And, and you're right. And that is one of the, the flaws in that form of system. But you're starting to see a lot of the younger guys starting to accept that, You know, you know, if I want to go out, if I want to keep my job, if I want to do stuff, and ride around and, and, and play with the bells and whistles and, and, and woo woo. I've got to be on the ambulance because that's where it is. And you've got places and, and like to recognize where it. Did you just say woo woo is pretty much unexpected. I said woo woo. He did, and he
0: did it well. <laughs> Sorry, that just cracked me up. I don't know why.
4: I I agree with the I agree with 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 what Chris said to a degree about, you know you, you, you still have to do you still have to be a good medic but you also need to have a little bit of an understanding of of the business side of it because you know if the company goes under you're end up looking in for, looking for a job so I, I completely agree that business shouldn't shouldn't dictate you know like how we treat patients and the quality of care that we receive. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you got to think, okay, well, you know, you know, if I don't get this paperwork that I need, then the company may not get paid. Or if I don't, it, it, in the back of your mind, you got to have that at least a little bit of that business mentality that says, you know, it, secondary to treating my patient to the best of my ability, I need to try to do what's best for the company as far as getting paid, secondary to the patient care that I'm giving.
3: And, and they you know, the, uh, just have different criteria. It's well, not that the public providers are immune from this. They just have different stuff to deal with. And it may not be any more appropriate for patient care than the billing stuff that private providers are dealing with.
0: Well, and that's what I'm, I think that's well, the ultimate think, point of this of this entire conversation is somebody is paying your bill. And whether it's a constituent, whether it's a taxpayer, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, the private insurance company, the person that you're hauling right now, somebody is writing you a check. And it's important to be aware of the issues in the economy. Now, I, I and here's where I'm going to go with this, and, and you guys can debate this all night because this will probably kind of stir up the rat's nest a little bit, but... If we were under HHS, who currently, um, HHS actually is overseeing CMS. And CMS has some vested interest in what we do. And CMS is the Centers for uh, Medicare. And they're the ones that really pay about between, depending on where you live, between 35 and 65% of your ambulance bill, um, of your ambulance billings, I'll tell you that. Um in my area it's only about 8% but god I live near Vail and you know we have 60% uninsured so we'll we'll talk about that another night but I think what's important to realize is that Medicare is a very important part of what we do and until Medicare and Obamacare and whatever other care you're a part of starts paying us for our readiness starts paying us to go see patients and offer Alternative care destinations. We're not going to
3: be. How about just paying us for the work that we actually do? That's what I'm saying. Is you have you have yeah. to pay us they for the things we do, not just transport. For... No, but they come up with ways of denying payment for the things that were actually done, and then they rack up enough of them, and they say, "Okay, um, you can be looking at a prosecution for Medicare fraud, or you can accept maybe ten cents on the dollar on what we owe you." It's just another insurance company, except they get to ram things like Jayco and Press Ganey down the hospital's throats. I don't know what they have to do with Press Ganey, but Jayco definitely came from CMS and they are destroying medicine by these completely irrational rules that are not in the interest of the patient at all. They're just there for somebody to run around with a clipboard and say, oh, you didn't satisfy this.
0: Okay, well, yep. you know, barring the need for regulation, you know, I think that there's an important point for regulation in our industry. So we won't talk about that because I, I think Tim is on a is on an interesting. But well, you're on an interesting track there, that we like, we need some regulation in our industry. Um, Jaco is not all bad; it's not all good, but it's not all bad, and we can debate again. We can debate that another night. But I think the point is is that um, where should we fall, and how should we be paid? as providers. Now, Dr. A gets paid for every patient and we're kind of on that same model. We get paid for patients that we actually take to the hospital. However, if Dr. A tells the patient, patient? wait, 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 let me finish. So if Dr. A tells a patient, you just have a virus, he still gets paid for that patient. However, if we just tell a patient, you can go to an alternative care destination. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a physician's visit. I mean, it depends on how he codes it, but I'm sure the insurance company is going to pay it.
3: Who did I lose? Dr. A? you take Medicaid? Uh, We don't. Why? Right. Why? The reimbursement is lower than your costs, isn't it?
6: Because it, it – it, uh, and, and, and actually, it, we had a probably a three- to six-month debate in our practice about making that decision uh, because it, it, we lost money – I mean, a business decision. We lost money seeing Medicaid patients. We could put a Medicare patient or commercial patient in that slot, and uh, but it was a very difficult – uh, decision for us. You know, we live, you know, I'm here in the Rust Belt of America. And, you know, we're not a growing community. Um, we have a growing Medicare and Medicaid population. We lost a lot of good patients with that decision. Uh, but it was a decision we had to make to keep the doors open. And the patients that we had to explain it to, you know, they were sad. Some were mad, but they did understand where we were coming from. Uh, but, you know, th- those are the business decisions. That we had to make um and it wasn't an easy one
0: but i guarantee but don't you take medicare yes ah and that pays because it's built on a good reimbursement. well it's built on a really good reimbursement model uh,
3: yeah, there are problems uh with the government it, reimbursement it, it, regardless of how it works um, and there are and actually, private uh, reimbursement
6: as well. If you look ten or fifteen years ago, uh, private insurance, at least from a physician payment standpoint, was the best payer. Now, Medicare is the best payer. Commercial insurance are eighty percent, ninety percent of Medicare. Everything is flipped around now. So that's very. It's it's really interesting from from that kind of payment standpoint.
0: That's almost scary, actually, to think about it that way. But won't you guys come out ahead? Because now if you have this new insurance cooperative and everything that's coming out from Obamacare, won't you guys then come out ahead? Because Medicaid is not the same as Obamacare and getting people into these um, co-ops and everything like that. will not you, you guys should come out ahead on that.
6: Because now you'd be taking uh, care of they've people. They've done some couldn't. studies... Well, I mean, they've done some studies on that. I mean, if, 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 if this new plane covers as many people as it says it's going to cover, there aren't enough primary care physicians to cover those people, you know, whatever, whatever number you want to use. So, um, so for us to, uh, absorb that volume, that's gonna, you know, um, that's going to hurt our quality, which we all know that, that, uh, uh, the government and insurance companies are also going to pay everybody based on quality uh, of care, whatever their metrics are. So, uh, so that is kind of a double-edged sword type of thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, you, you see the payment models now as it all um, uh, comes out, you know, with this Affordable Care Act in 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, we're still watching it very carefully because Congress is debating this every day, and it may change tomorrow, it may change next year, it may change with the next presidential election. So it's still uh, a, a moving target.
0: But But even then, I think that we because our industry is way different. I mean, you guys are actually going to get paid to do stuff. We're still paid only on the things that we do, which is about as an industry standard, what 75 to 85% of the time we transport people. I'm just going to throw out a number um, someplace lower, someplace higher, but generally if you're going to be anywhere near profitable and take care of patients appropriately, you've got to transport between 75 and 80 for 85% of the time. When in fact we could probably refer, about half of that patient population to a different alternative care location, and we don't get reimbursed a dime for that. Now, we, you know, the, those patients would be better off not calling nine one one and going to see their physician, and they, and then that physician would get reimbursed for their care because we don't get a dime for that. And maybe uh, somehow throughout this entire process, we'll figure out that we belong in healthcare. We belong under the Health and Human Services division of the of the feds, and we need to be a part of that. We need to be, you know. When I look at every other healthcare entity in the United States, it falls under HHS or HERSA. We don't. We fall under DOT because we have something that travels down the road. That to me is bizarre. Um, you're obviously seeing my bias in this. Um, I don't think we belong in DHS. But that because is
3: the government at work in coming to that.
0: Well, there are really good stories about that. And some night, maybe we can get a few people on that lived in the seventies and were a part of why it originally went from HHS to, uh, DOT, DOT was the only place that it would go and they've actually done a very good job. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diss on what drew Dawson's done and in, in their department. I think they've done an excellent job, but I think we have now matured again and HHS has said, we want you back. And we're gonna we're gonna make you a part of healthcare. Back in the '70s, we didn't know how to make you part of healthcare. We didn't know where you fit. And today, they do. And today, they understand that. Okay, we have a vehicle that moves down the road. Okay, that's DOT. But for the rest of it, it's healthcare. We're doing healthcare at people's bedsides. We're doing healthcare on the side of the street. We're doing healthcare all the way to the hospital. And. When we under, when we, we recognize still have that
3: arguments about whether we're public safety or healthcare
0: it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we can be public safety and do healthcare it doesn't matter ah, we still do does. healthcare uh, no we still do healthcare all every every public safety entity that does EMS is doing healthcare and if they think
3: otherwise they're wrong Again, it's my oh, show, I so I can totally. say whatever. So if I... the fire department <coughs> is only responding to do CPR, they should be overseen by Health and Human Services? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: American Heart um, Association. Gee, that's kind of a big research organization that tells us how to do CPR. They're kind of overseen by a bunch of docs and uh, research wonks that understand healthcare. Just saying. Any any EMT in the United States, any paramedic in the United States, should be seen as, gee, the middle of our name is medical, and we should have a voice in healthcare. Again, just my two cents. But anyway,
3: what do you guys want to
0: service.
3: say? <laughs> we can still be public service. We because well, we are agree public with service. You that we should be under medicine, but um you're going to find a lot of people will argue with you on that because there will continue to be the debate about what public safety is and what is important and i think if you got tom Boothley on to uh talk about 12 leads uh, he'll make it clear to you that you need to understand medicine to be doing a good job with 12 leads amen and amen with pharmacology it is equally important you get mark albert on uh, he's the pharmacy rep to uh, the New York City Remsco. And <clears throat> these are things that are important, but in, on the public safety side, they get pushed to the back sometimes. And you know, there are good arguments that some people will make about why we should be elsewhere. Just as Kyle is making good arguments about what's wrong with private uh, providers. There are also problems with the public providers. There is no one good way to do EMS, and we're trying to make it overly simple rather than saying, what will work for the patients? We need to make things better for the patients instead of for the providers, but we need to be able to keep the providers able to uh, respond
0: well we could be we could be doing more for for patients if we saw ourselves as healthcare and gee, we are part of public i mean it's kind of those weird overlapping loops that we all show and you know we're kind of in this weird middle of healthcare public safety pri- primary care public health and all of those things and we kind of just fall into this weird swiss army knife of healthcare and i'm okay with that but you know what Those are the people that have shown our practice over and over again is is valid for patients. What we do is right. And you know what? When I go out there, I don't have a gun. I'm not putting out fires. Okay, maybe I respond emergent. Okay, big deal. That's about the only thing I have in common with public safety. And yes, we have a piece of public safety. And yes, we're trying to protect the public and blah, 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 blah. But we are the last, okay, sorry, one of the last, there are two, one of the last providers of healthcare that do it at a patient's bedside every day. And we should have a role in healthcare.
1: Chris, I couldn't agree more. I think the ultimate point here is we need to look at what our ultimate goal is. And our ultimate goal is to care and provide care for the sick and injured provide care is what it comes down to. You're exactly right. We, we respond emergent, but 99% of the time we don't transport emergent. There's, there's systems that are moving away from even transporting cardiac arrest patients lights and sirens because you're not seeing the benefit in it. I mean, we just really need to look at at, at what we're doing and what we're doing is healthcare in the field. There is, while, and while there is a, rather diminished public safety aspect to what we do it's it's so much smaller than what it used to be and and what we are doing is we're we're providing healthcare in the field and that's that's where we need to be and HHS is the place i'll i'll tell you what i've talked to some of the people over there and they are they are hot to have us and and it's where we need to be
2: well i think i think along the same lines is 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 of what he said is that, you know, I was just thinking about about the military and where they have their their uh, combat medics, the people that are doing their medic and the, their medicine in the field, and they're still under the the army surgeon general, the the guy that does all the uh, all the medical stuff. That's that's where they're at. They're not under uh, combat arms, you know, like the infantry or anything like that. They're purely medical. And that's kind of the same way with us too, is that even though we're doing public safety stuff, it's still medicine in some way. Even if, and I'll use an example from a couple of weeks ago, is that we went to a gas leak. And even though we were performing a public safety function to keep their house from blowing up, we were still providing some level of medical care because we were evaluating the people that were there Medically, so even though we're providing a public service or a public safety service, we're still providing medicine, and that's and DHS DHH, is the perfect place for EMS as far as uh, as far as where we need to sit at the federal level.
0: You are you talking about homeland security or? Health and Human Services, different different places, man.
2: Health and Human Services, D H H S.
0: Oh, I I think it's just H H. Is it a D? Is there a D in yeah, front of the name? We end up in right. Homeland
2: Security, yeah, we'll end up being like TSA. I think it's
1: just H H
0: S. Could you imagine us in Homeland Security? We we respond to about what one half of one percent of our calls are um, a natural disaster, or some kind of Department of Homeland Security thing. And they want to put us there like
3: come on
0: you know what i tell everybody in our region because i go to these regional or i used to go because i can't i can't go anymore because they drive me crazy but i used to go to these regional meetings where all the emergency managers would sit around and plot you know like you know if there's a big thing you know we got to have you know the bomb robot come here and we got to have this come there and we got to do all this and I'm like, I'd, I'd raise my hand and I, I said, you realize that we as EMS providers respond to what is tantamount to a mass casualty every day? Because we're, you know, as a region at that point where we I think we were nine or 10 counties, I don't remember. I think we counted it up one day. We were responding to a little over, you know, three or four hundred calls a day as a region. Uh that's a lot of patience, and we're moving them very effectively without anybody telling us that it's a mass casualty and you know people are dying. And yeah, people die every day, but you know what? I think from our aspect, and I'm I'm a pretty mature EMS provider at this point. I go, you know, a mass casualty is just a bunch of calls strung all together, and I just got to figure out what to do with them all. It just kind of sucks for that, you know, couple hours that it takes, and we've got to figure out how to how to take that mentality and make people understand that the the idea of all these mass casualty plans and all this other stuff is yeah it sucks and the 9/11s aren't going to happen every day but you know the 40 patient 5 hour response could happen and that's that's our reality not not 3000 10000 patients it's more the 40 50 patients we've really got to deal with every day And how do we do that effectively and how do we do that? And I don't think Department of Homeland Security is the place for us. Um, I just don't see it. We don't have a lot of the same thing as in common. Our our structures are different. But anyway, again, I go back to the fact that we're healthcare. But anyway, I I digress. Anyway, wow. You digress.
1: Uh, I digress finally. You know what? If... if Department of Human Services, or Department of Homeland Security, rather, wants to deal with ER overcrowding, then they can start talking to us about dealing with EMS. That's the way that I see it.
0: <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> if we Sounds all carry great. guns, you know, I think we should all carry guns. That would probably make it a lot easier.
1: Like You, you don't?
0: Well, I do. I just can't carry it on. Dude. Anyway, you know, I'm just I'm just saying you go in and you you just you just hold yeah, your gun up that, to the you just hold your gun up to the dude. nurse and you're like you will take this patient now. I think that would solve a lot of problems.
2: I think we could do that figuratively, not literally. Uh if we had a if we had some sort of uh way to motivate uh CMS for that uh that sort of thing. If we were withholding money because we're waiting an hour or two, that would that would definitely motivate them to move a little bit faster.
0: Oh, you know what would be cool is if we could if we as EMS providers got under Health and Human Services at the federal level, and then we went to CMS and said, "Okay, we want to be paid for we want to be paid more. We want to pay, be paid for costs, things like that." And then we go to them and say, "And for every ten minutes that we stand along the the wall of the ER." You reduce the hospital payment repayment by $100, and you give that to us. I think things would change. Just saying.
3: In Toronto, they had a problem with that, and they ended up, um, because they had waiting times of many hours, after one hour, they would put the patient on the backboard on the floor and leave a copy of the chart with the patient because they had plenty of time to write it. And uh, this was authorized by the medical director and the hospital oversight. Then after a month of doing that, they decreased it to half an hour. And then I think they decreased it to 20 minutes because of the problems they were having with the overcrowding and the lack of availability of EMS. So it can be done.
0: Well, and I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, in our, in the United States, we have this law called MTALA, And basically, when you're within a certain radius of the hospital, that's the Hospital's responsibility and you know what? So what if the patient's in the in the front room and they die? Hospital's problem, not mine. I told the nurse. He's having chest pain. He's having the big one. We're sitting on the wall. We're gonna leave him because we have another patient that is just as in need as this now patient. These patients in the, were in the
3: In the emergency department, not in the waiting room.
0: No, but that's what I'm saying is that, hey, you know what? If you don't want them in the emergency room, I'm more than willing to wheel them the 20 feet to the waiting room and just sit them right there for you if you need. Because uh, that's fine with me.
3: And how is that patient care? Oh, I agree. It's not patient care, but it's
0: not my problem, right? Again, I'm playing devil's advocate. (laughs)
3: I mean, it's my patient until I transfer care, even though legally, once I'm within 250 yards of the front door, it's the hospital's patient, also. Have you ever seen a... Just because I'm I take sin doesn't mean I don't have any responsibility. True, but have you ever seen
0: a hospital, like, okay, so you take a patient from one floor to the hospital to the other, and they sign off like a FedEx FedEx package? I mean, the patients aren't FedEx packages. Once they're there, they're there, and it's, uh, quite honestly, I could care less if they sign for the patient. It's not my responsibility.
3: One of the things I see at a local hospital is the volunteers taking patients with multiple pumps with different medications running, all by themselves, up to different floors. How do you do that? I, I mean, these are drips that I'm not authorized to transport.
0: <laughs> Completely
3: agree with you. I don't. I
0: don't know how they get away with it. And. Probably a topic for another conversation. Uh, Gosh, we have gone an hour. And uh, if you're looking for a movie this weekend and you're kind of bored and you don't know what to watch, go rent Sicko. Not really a big fan of Michael Moore personally, but I am a fan of this movie. And after you see it, I, I just watched it again recently. That's why I'm all excited about it because, uh, and not again, not a big fan of Michael Moore, everything else he's done. I think he's a hack, but this movie, actually, he hit a home run. And so if you're really bored and want to understand the healthcare crisis in America, actually the health insurance crisis in America, go rent to sicko and you'll have an understanding of why I want to move to France and it's not because of the Eiffel Tower. Anyway, thank you guys very much for coming on. I appreciate it tonight. Thanks for watching us on the Ustream. The, uh, James Warmoth had to run on a call, so I'll just plug him. James Warmoth, you can find him at yellowrubberducky at squarespace.com. Yellowrubberducky at squarespace.com. Uh, Yellowrubberducky.squarespace.com. Sorry about that. Russell Stein, where can people find you?
2: um hybridmedic.com facebook hybridmedic and uh twitter at hybridmedic and hybridmedic at gmail.com and that's it
0: very cool well thank you guys thanks you know thank let's say hi to the ustream thanks ustream thanks for watching us i saw ray kemp in there saw a few other people in there so uh, ambulance junkie epi junkie and a few other people so thanks for coming uh we're gonna try this every week and we actually got a ustream bot because we had so many people watching the stream at one point that we actually got a bot so that that makes me pretty happy that apparently a ustream bot comes in to make sure that we're being safe and you know not not spreading some kind of weird other things body parts
3: anyway tim noonan where can people find you Rogemagic.com, paramedicine101.com, researchEMS.com, and occasionally here. And the EMS Office Hours lately have been contributing a bit. Cool. And uh, how's
0: EMS blogs going for you?
3: Very good. Um, We're uh, constantly getting more readers, more uh, page views, and... Uh, we're doing very well. More bloggers as well. Nice. We've added uh, a couple a month, it seems like, since we started. And uh, got a lot of good blogs over there.
0: Well, you guys have a lot of good, you guys have a lot of good content, and I'm increasingly more impressed at what you can do for nearly free anymore. So, I know you guys aren't really making a huge uh, profit on that, so I appreciate all you guys do for our community, and uh, it's a great, it's a great service. emsblogs.com. Thank you. And you guys you guys plug me a lot, so I love that, so thanks a lot. And Mr. Kyle David Bates, where can people find Which you? With good reason. In it? Well, thank you! See, it's because of these good debates. Anyway, Kyle David Bates, where can people find you?
5: Oh, you can find me almost anywhere. Uh, firstfewmoments.com, pedi ucom can find me over at my website, kyledavidbates.com. Twitter, at ImageMedic. And wherever there's teaching or learning going on i may be there
0: right on i hear a rumor that you may be Uh helping rewrite the curriculum of the community paramedic program i hear a rumor potentially yes okay good enough right on i'm excited mr scott keir where can people find you
1: well, when I'm not searching for the bottom of a bottle of wine, um, you can find me at my new website, which is actually medicsbk.com. No I actually way! Up with the uh, first responders network over there, yeah, yeah, I got a new site. What What are you
0: doing um, over there? What, things what?
1: are going really well with that.
3: What
0: do you do with that? What, uh, what? Just
1: same content, new new layout, a uh, little little more graphic design. Uh, trying to do a little bit of photography, slowly but surely with it, and uh, I, it's it's going really well, and it's it's being really well received. I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm also doing some writing over at firstfewmoments.com as well. Uh, check that out. It's a great site. Throwing up a couple blogs, trying to get one up every other week or so. And you can find me at Twitter at MedicSBK or you can email me at MedicSBK at gmail.com. And it's great to be back on. It's been a while. So thank you so much, Chris.
0: Well, I love having you on. And um, apparently, according to our room, come on more often. We love it. It's a good thing. Especially when you're not on duty and finding the bottle, bottom of the bottle of wine. It's great it's good yeah okay anyway dr anonymous uh also known as okay mike did i pronounce your name right how pronounce your last name for me
6: yes yeah, so, nice. uh sevilla sevilla the, the barber of sevilla yeah.
0: it's not the barber of seville that's a, right all Right. All right.
6: Like Godzilla <laughs>
0: um, Dude, I swear yeah. we were lo- I swear we were lost at birth I, I just, I just you are You're like my twin brother uh, Where can people find you? Nice
6: uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com That brings you also my uh, Facebook page And Twitter and the podcast And some YouTube stuff uh, I do it all I don't know how I do it, but it's. But I, but I have to tell you, Chris. This is the this is the best time I've had in a long time. It's uh, since CMS today, just kind of hanging out and and uh, talking about stuff and uh, being mad at uh, you know the government and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a good time. I'm who, glad to be here.
0: Who who doesn't want to be mad at the government? Apparently, the CIA tried to or NSA. NSA is responsible for the airwaves. Apparently, they tried to hijack my feed a while back, but we're okay now it's all good hey so uh can i ask a question uh, dr a what do you have any inkling that maybe there's some kind of new podcast on the horizon with maybe you and dr uh jeff myers is that is that ever happened or no or do we need to talk
6: uh about that? I, yeah i was an idiot i didn't follow up the, oh uh, man because it, be it would be a funny thing paradox yeah paradox
0: paradox yeah i think we need to Get the. <laughs> I think that could be a funny show all on its own. Between you and Jeff Myers, you guys were hilarious at EMS today.
6: So. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll call it like the Physicians Garage or something. You know, steal off your brain.
0: Nice. You know. You know why it's called the EMS Garage? I, I've t- I've said. I've probably told the story about ten times over the 130 podcasts we've done. Uh, EMS Garage was something that I thought of years ago. When I was trying to come up with the name of a podcast and I said, you know, some of the best stories I've ever heard were in the EMS garage after a call and we're all standing around after we've cleaned the bus and we're just laughing and having a good time. And that's what I wanted this story or that's what I wanted this podcast to be about is a bunch of guys standing around drinking beer talking about stuff and and that's kind of what it's turned into and and. And so that's what it could be for the docs, but you got to have some kind of other water cooler thing. I'm sure that docs love, you know, garage could be good, but maybe there's something else that you guys do that we don't know about, you know, cause we're not docs.
3: Not a tribute. Uh, to Frank, yeah. i tell you, but
0: then you'd have I'd to kill, have to me. kill you. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. Hey, I'm uh, Chris Montero geeky medic on all the websites. Thanks for joining us and go to audibletrial.com. Don't forget that audibletrial.com trial.com forward slash EMS garage get two free books and two free weeks of audible and there's a lot of good stuff there and i just thank you guys for listening to us i don't know why you do it every week but i really appreciate it and it's a lot of fun and as you can tell we do have a lot of fun here if you have ideas or story ideas or just want to interact with us and want to talk to us or just want to rant and say this story this show was crazy and here's why you can call us 303 720-6001 you can send me an email emsgarage at gmail.com or you can just find me on facebook Uh, you can find us ems garage on facebook or on twitter thanks a lot have a great day or night or whatever you're doing and we'll see you soon